The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the fabulous Laura Jameson. Say hi, Laura. Hi. All righty. This one here actually looks fucking fucked up. The flat tire murders. <laughs> the flat tire murders. That's that sounds like something from Sesame Street or some shit. Like seriously. <laughs> and Oscar the Grouch started going uh, this, crazy because of the flat tires. This episode is brought to you by murder. <laughs> and the number nine. I love it. <laughs> so uh, I'll be honest, when I first found this case, it was pretty intriguing, to say the least. However, the more I dug into it, the more perplexing I found it to be. Uh, according to the article on Wikipedia, which I I use those as a reference or a starting point, um, between February and July of 1975, approximately five young women were abducted from around the Miami, Florida area. The stranger would puncture or deflate their tire and then pose as a good Samaritan under the guise of helping them fix their flat. Then once their guard was down, they would be forced into a separate vehicle and driven to a different location. And, you know, going to a... Never go to a second location. Yeah, that's pretty um, well it for you. you yeah. Second location. The perpetrator would then beat, shoot or stab them before leaving their body in or around a canal somewhere in the Miami-Dade County. However, upon further digging, I discovered that the true story is way more complex and convoluted than what Wikipedia dares to hint at. Uh, First of all, several of the names are misspelled, and some facts are flat-out wrong, which I will try and explain as we go along, um, such as dates and locations. You're like... Thanks, Wikipedia. (laughs) In fact, uh, the five victims listed on Wikipedia may not have even been killed by the same suspect. Holy shit. Not to mention, there were way more than five murders. There were at least nine and possibly as many as 17. It's busy, man. Very, yes. Uh, So first and foremost, let's, let's clarify the name. The monikers of the flat tire killer or the flat tire murders were never used during the time the crimes were reported in the media. In fact, it appears that the first time they were referred to with either of those names was in a book published in 2009, The Encyclopedia of Unsolved Crimes. Um, It means that the author gave the series of murders that name due to the ruse that was allegedly used to lure or drop the guard of the victims. I don't know why the press couldn't come up with that, because it's perfect. Because <laughs> um, it doesn't fit the generic ones, like the doctor yeah, of death. Yeah. He killed on the freeway? He's a freeway killer. Yes. However, according to the reports, only two of the 17 potential cases involved a vehicle with a deflated tire. So I guess that's why they didn't. That makes sense. But uh, therefore, in my opinion, it's not safe to assume that this ruse was used in all of the cases, as some of the victims weren't even of driving age, and a few of them were known to be hitchhikers. <laughs> of course. Hitchhikers yeah. again. When the newspapers around Florida were writing articles about the deaths in 1975 and 76, they were referred to as the canal murders. 
In my opinion, this is a more accurate name for this series of murders because with the exception of one or two, which I'll get to a little later, all of the victims were found in or around the canals of Miami-Dade County, Florida. So the canal murders were a series of nine to 17 murders of young women and teenage girls that occurred in Dade County and Broward County, Florida in the 1970s. At the time, there was quite a bit of debate on whether these murders were the work of one or more serial killers, if they were completely unrelated in nature, or if there was a combination of everything involved. In the interest of full disclosure, first I'll discuss the nine cases that the majority of the articles I found refer to when they talk about the canal murders, even though one of those murders is said to have been solved. However, while reading articles, I found several other murders that may or may not be linked to these original nine. So I'm, I'm going to include them later as well. Um, not only that, there were several reports of Jane Doe's found during that time in the same area. I didn't include some of them because I didn't feel there was any relevance to this particular series. And it's Florida. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of killing happening in Florida. All kinds of weird shit happening. Yeah. Like and wearing <laughs> yes. iguanas and yeah. fucking people fighting trees buck-ass naked. Yeah. Scary place. Um, I didn't feel there was any yeah relevance here. So, for instance, I was unable to find a common modus operandi. However, there were a few strong maybes when it came to some Jane Doe's that I did include, and I will let you draw your own conclusions. Last but not least, I am by no means an expert law enforcement official. I just do a lot of research in regards to psychology and serial killing cases. Wait a minute. You dragged me out of bed wearing a cop uniform and a riding crop, and you said that I'd be punished for my crimes. Because now, you like women in uniform. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I may have been taken advantage of. I'm just saying. Just, you know, just over here and cry a little bit. Fucking it's not what you said then. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Therefore, I am not going to suggest even slightly that my list is complete or accurate. Nor am I going to say that these murders were for sure committed by the same suspect. What I am going to say is that, in my opinion, there was enough information on the cases to at least mention them. Some of the cases mentioned today were linked by law enforcement officials in the 1970s. Uh, However, I I lean toward the popular opinion held by the authorities. There were probably, there was more than one unrelated serial killer active during that time frame in that area. Due to the lack of technology and interagency communication during that time, I can see how they were all lumped together. It's also possible that some of the murders were just one-offs and not the act of a serial killer at all. The first victim mentioned in the media. So according to most of the newspaper articles, the first murder in the Canal murders occurred on January 26, 1975. That's when the lifeless body of 19-year-old Judith Ann Osterling was discovered in the Snake Creek Canal. She was floating face down in an area just east of Highway 27 in Broward County, Florida. During her autopsy, the medical examiner determined that Judy had been struck in the head with a rock in the nearby wooded area. Then her killer dragged her unconscious body down to the water and threw her in. 
Her cause of death was ruled as drowning since there there was canal water found in her lungs, so she was alive when she hit that water. Brutal. Yeah. Judy was originally from Rushville, Indiana, and she had left there to move to Florida in 1974. She last spoke to her father in December of 74, and she informed him that she was living in the Orlando area, and she had gotten a job working for a printing company. According to Judy's father, during their conversation, she refused to disclose her actual location to him. Therefore, it's not clear when, how, or, you know, when she wound up in Miami. However, this is this next bit of information might shed light on that area. After Judy's body was found, investigators began contacting her friends and co-workers. During their interviews, they spoke to 22-year-old Sue Jane Walter. She was the owner and operator of Tiger's Health Spa in Miami, where Judy was employed as a massage therapist. Who gave happy endings? <laughs> I'm saying the same thing. Yep. Uh... Did some some prostituting out of there. <laughs> Just hypothetically, where would this place in Miami be located? <laughs> Asking for a friend. She told the authorities that she last saw Judy on the evening of January 25th when she had to fire her. However, she didn't know what happened to Judy after she left the spa. She did tell them that the young woman used hitchhiking as her preferred method of transportation. That led them to the theory that she more than likely accepted a ride from her killer. There you go. Yeah. This is the one and only solved murder case in this series. According to an article printed in the Fort Lauderdale News on October 16th, 1975, Sue confessed that she and her boyfriend at the time were the ones who murdered Judy. Oh, wow. Here's what she said happened. On January 25th, Sue and her boyfriend, 28-year-old Clarence J. Carnival, uh, he must have been fun, <laughs> approached, approached Judy and asked her to engage in sexual acts with them. When she refused, they forced her into their vehicle and drove her to a secluded area along the Snake Creek Canal. Back to a secluded area. Yes. <laughs> Upon arriving at their destination, they forced her out of the vehicle and bound her hands and feet together. Then they proceeded to assault her with their fists before they grabbed a rock and hit her until she became unconscious. After that, they tossed her lifeless body into the canal so that she would drown. Sue wound up being sentenced to serve 15 years in prison for her participation in the murder. Clarence was never tried since he was killed before Sue gave her confession to the authorities. Holy shit. He was shot to death four months before and found in the neighbor's yard. So, karma. Mm. (laughs) Uh, The article said that it was not clear if Sue was a suspect in his death as well or what prompted her to confess to the murder. It also stated that it was not known whether she and her boyfriend were involved in the other eight associated murders. Considering he was killed in June, it's probably not likely that he was involved in all of them as the last victim was murdered in July. However, I'm not going to rule her out completely. Maybe he came back from the dead to a little bit of killing and <laughs> Yeah. Victim number two... Wikipedia got this one wrong. 
According to Wikipedia, 23-year-old Barbara Davis Stevens was killed inside her residence in Palmetto, Florida. However, that's not the case at all. Barbara was last seen alive when she left her parents' house in Miami on February 12, 1975, at approximately 7 p.m. She told her father that she was heading to Coral Gables to spend some time with a friend. On her way to Coral Gables, she stopped by a a gold triangle store near the Dadeland Mall. Uh, She purchased a couple of albums before leaving, and she was never seen alive again. The next day, a concerned co-worker saw Barbara's Camaro parked, her bitchin' Camaro, (laughs) parked in the lot of the, I can't not say that, of the gold triangle. When they stopped to check it out, they noticed the doors were unlocked, the keys were still in the ignition, and there were small traces of blood on the steering wheel. They immediately reported it to the authorities. Yeah, that's never a good sign right there, man. No. (laughs) That has fucked up written all over it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Barbara's body wasn't found until February 20th. It was located in a wooded area behind the Winn-Dixie on Southwest 87th Avenue and Sunset Drive. When the detectives arrived at the crime scene, they noticed that she still had on the clothes that she was last seen wearing on the night she vanished. However, her pants were pulled down around her waist, and uh, isn't that where your pants sit anyway? They were pulled down. (laughs) Yeah, they were pulled down. (laughs) Um, uh, and one of her shoes was off and discovered a couple feet away from the body. It was later determined that Barbara had been stabbed in the stomach numerous times since there was blood, dirt, and grass discovered in her Camaro when it was processed. Detectives on the case surmised that her killer used her vehicle to transport her body to the dump location before they returned it to the store undetected. Hey, he's trying to be efficient. He's saving some gas. And some <laughs> yeah. hers. I understand. I dig. Even though this murder was linked in all the articles, I am of the opinion that... This particular case was not committed by the same suspect as the other cases, and here's why. First of all, Barbara was found stabbed to death. Second, she was found in a wooded area behind a grocery store, not anywhere in or around a canal. Uh, And I'm still confused as to how or why it was ever linked to any of the others. Victim number three, back to the canal. On April 9th, 1975, 17-year-old Arietta Marie Rini Tinker, these names, uh, (laughs) was dropped off at the Hippopotamus Lounge on Hollywood Beach by her estranged husband at approximately 1 p.m. Before she exited his vehicle, he asked her if she wanted him to come back to pick her up later, and she informed him that she would find another way back home. Even though they were estranged at the time, they were still living together for the sake of their one-year-old son. Therefore, when Rini never returned home, he reported her missing to the authorities. According to reports, she was last seen alive at Lum's restaurant around Young Circle a, a little later that evening. That restaurant was approximately a half mile from her house. God damn. Yeah. Rini's body was discovered... On April 12th, floating face down in the Snake Creek Canal, it was found in the vicinity of where Judy's body had been found uh, back in January of that year. There was some controversy in the reports as to how she was discovered. 
Some re- some reports stated that Rini's lifeless body was found by a group of four teenage boys who were down at the canal wanting to do some fishing. Other reports indicated that she was discovered by an off-duty police officer who happened to be riding his bike in the area. <coughs> the medical examiner wasn't able to determine a definitive cause of death during the autopsy, although some suggest that she possibly drowned since there was no other sign of foul play. The only reason detectives believe she was the victim of homicide was due to the, their lack of explanation for sh- why she was found so far away without a means of transportation, especially when they considered that she was last seen alive only a half a mile from her house. Good point. Yeah. Victims, uh, victims five and six, who were friends... Uh, on June 18th, 14-year-old Belinda Darlene Zetterauer was staying with her 14-year-old friend Barbara Susan Schreiber. They were last seen alive that evening when they left Barbara's house in Hollywood, telling her mother they were going to their friend Valerie's house to stay the night. The following morning... A family arrived at the Snake Creek Canal to do some fishing when they discovered the two 14-year-olds lying next to each other on the banks of the canal. They were found in an area roughly four miles north of Andytown, which is an outpost that was utilized by truck drivers and fishermen that is no longer there. According to the medical examiner, their cause of death was the result of being shot with a large caliber firearm. The authorities said the weapon was most likely a 45 handgun. Due to the significant amount of blood found at the crime scene, it was determined that the girls were killed in the location where they were found. Here's where some of the articles differ. I read a couple of articles that stated that the girls had been shot twice, once in the head and once in the chest. However, according to the autopsy report, one of the girls was shot in the head and likely died immediately. The other girl was shot in the chest, and it's believed that she was left to bleed to death. And it's it's not clear which injury was sustained by which girl. Um, Damn. Yeah. There were also conflicting reports regarding whether they had been sexually assaulted prior to being murdered. Some articles said they were raped. Some said there was no indication they were raped, as they were both still fully clothed. However, according to the police reports, it was determined that one of the girls' underwear was found to be backwards, which would indicate a sexual assault of some sort. And that's what I would think, because seriously, like, if you're, why would you go through and kill two girls for no reason? Yeah. You know what I mean? There, yep. there, there's got to be some kind of a assault in there or something. Uh, When the detectives questioned Valerie, they discovered that Barbara and Belinda had never made plans to spend the night at her house. Apparently, that was something they told their parents whenever they wanted to do something behind their backs. Of course. Go figures. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, As the authorities tried to find out more information on the girls' last known whereabouts, they ran into a bit of of difficulty. Apparently, a lot of Barbara and Belinda's friends were known to engage in recreational drug use. Therefore, they were less than forthcoming with their information out of fear of getting in trouble themselves. However, here's what most of the articles stated. 
Apparently, the two 14-year-olds went to another friend's house for a short time. When they left that place, they were last seen somewhere in the vicinity of Route 441 and Hollywood Boulevard. According to the Broward County investigators' reports, they were wanting to find a ride north so that they could purchase some drugs for themselves. You didn't know anybody in town. No one. Uh, <laughs> Everybody knows a drug dealer in the town. Right? Come on. <laughs> speculation that they were linked to victim four. Almost immediately, there was speculation that the shooting deaths of Barbara and Belinda were connected to a previous murder. However, it wasn't linked to the murder of Barbara Stevens or Rainey Tinker. The detectives thought it was linked to the murder of 19-year-old Nancy Lee Fox. According to Captain Elihu Ferris... (laughs) There's another awesome name. I love it. (laughs) Nancy had just relocated to the Fort Lauderdale area in early 1975. She wanted to escape a thruple relationship she was in at the time with her sister and a man named William Moore Jr. (laughs) That's fucking Florida. What do you expect? I know. Reports indicated that she was last seen alive the evening of June 13, 1975. However, they conflicted on her last known activities. I managed to locate three different accounts in various newspaper articles as to why Nancy was out walking that evening. Um, I figured I would share them all with you, even though two of them don't really make any sense, in my opinion. A, of course, she was hitchhiking to get a ride to another location. It's not sure, not not clear where. Uh, B, she was heading to a nearby laundromat to wash some clothes. However, it wasn't clear if the clothes were found or not. And C, she had left work early because she wasn't feeling well and she was walking back to her apartment. She could have been up to anything. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, pretty, that's pretty much what they're saying. Uh, she could have either uh, been doing yeah. something or not doing something. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, but she may have or may not have. <laughs> like, she but we're going to report it. She may have been a white girl or black, or she could have been Cuban. We don't know. We don't know. She was just a girl. So Nancy's body was found floating face down in the Snake Creek Canal on June 15th. Her autopsy later revealed that she had been struck in the head with a blunt object and strangled before she was thrown in the canal uh, and drowned. The authorities were looking at two suspects for Nancy's murder. The first suspect was a man named Walter Worth. He was a rapist who was convicted of the abduction of 18-year-old Cheryl Ives on June 16, 1975. He kidnapped Cheryl from a laundromat located a little over one mile from Nancy's apartment on the day after Nancy's body was discovered. When Cheryl tried to escape from him, Walter cut her throat with a razor blade. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. What the so, fuck? Even better, she survived the attack and provided officers with the information that led to his arrest a short time later. That's a strong little girl, man. Right? Kudos to her. However, they weren't able to find any evidence to link him to Nancy's murder, so he was never formally charged. The second suspect in Nancy's murder was mentioned in an article printed in the Miami Herald in January of 76. He was none other than the man who was involved in a love triangle with her, even though the article didn't mention him by name, it's most likely referring to William Moore Jr. However, again... He was doing the sisters, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> However, again, there was not enough evidence to link him to Nancy's murder, so her case is still unsolved at this point. An unverified report regarding Barbara and Belinda. During my research, I stumbled across an obscure memorial page regarding the death of Barbara Schreiber. This old memorial page was allegedly created by Lucy Walker on behalf of her friend Joy Schreiber, Barbara's mother. According to this memorial page, the girls were abducted and later murdered by two two men with guns. The page goes on to say that Joy had the opportunity to visit Barbara's killer in prison where she completely forgave him, shared with him the love and forgiveness of Jesus, and prayed with him. However, it doesn't say who the men were. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It just sounds a little far-fetched to me. So, yeah. Since I was unable to corroborate this information with any reliable reports, I cannot say with any certainty that this is, in fact, true. I just mentioned it in case someone else who had come across the same page and uh, had wondered about its validity and because just bringing bringing people to Jesus, you know, we talk about that a lot, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like they needed Jesus, exactly. too. Exactly. On July 8, 1975, at approximately 7.30 a.m., 14-year-old Robin Leslie Losh left her house for Stranahan High School, where she was enrolled in summer classes. And according to the, mag- to the owner of Magic Market, a few blocks from her home, he asked her to leave the premises at approximately 3 p.m. because he thought she appeared to be stoned. Obviously not in class. <laughs> and she didn't have enough magic in her market. No. The magic was wearing off. <laughs> the assistant manager of Magic Market told the authorities later that they witnessed her leave the property and she was on foot heading south on Riverland Road. Robin's body was found on July 10th at Fort, uh, Fort Myers family in the area by a Fort Myers family in the area on vacation. They had stopped at a rest stop along Highway 27 when they saw an arm sticking up out of the Snake Creek Canal. Like she was going, hey, I'm over here. Hey, yeah. I'm right here. Can you find me, please? This sucks. I really don't want to decompose. She was discovered approximately 10 miles from the location where Nancy, Barbara, and Belinda were discovered. During Robin's autopsy, the medical examiner was not able to determine if her death was the result of foul play. She was found to be fully clothed, and no marks were found on her body that would suggest she met with any violence. There was a slight bruising near her right ear. However, it wasn't significant enough to indicate that she had been assaulted in any way. I find this bizarre, and I'll tell you why. Because normally when teenagers get killed and dumped, Especially girls, it's there's there's rape, there's molestation, there's something yes. involved. And yeah. now these kids are turning up unraped. I'm I'm glad they weren't raped, but still, right. just it's kind of weird, weird and disappointing. <laughs> I will admit that, yes, really disappointing because yeah, th- 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 that means you're just basically wasting life for no fucking reason at all. You got you're not doing you have no. Fucking, what are you getting out of this? Yeah, they're not getting yeah. anything out. Just the killing. While the authorities were investigating her death, they found out some interesting information about an incident Robin was allegedly involved in at a party the week before her disappearance. According to their reports, Robin 
uh, smoked some weed at the party and suddenly got it in her head that she could walk on water. <laughs> Damn. Well, um, what weed was she smoking? I'm asking about that for a friend, too. And it was the 70s, so it wasn't even as strong as it is now. No kidding, man. I wanted to know what strain she was on, because <laughs> I might have to go I shopping. Think perhaps it was augmented. <laughs> <laughs> she had to be physically pulled out of the canal by her friends. When Robin's clothing was searched and tested, they found a small bag of weed tucked inside her front pants pocket. It's been speculated that she possibly smoked weed that was laced with LSD and wound up drowning in the canal <laughs> as a result of a hallucination. Yeah, I would kind of guess that because I've smoked a lot of weed and I've never had hallucinations where I can walk on water. No. I've had thoughts that maybe my refrigerator had a lot more food in it than what I thought. <laughs> and every 15 minutes when I walk over there and open it, it's like, is something new going to appear in here? Nope. It's the same shit. <laughs> Damn it. Still no ice cream. Still no fucking <laughs> yes. Doritos. Yeah. This is bullshit, man. Oh, Doritos. I've been thinking about nacho cheese Doritos. Oh, those are bomb, man. I make nachos out of nacho cheese Doritos. <laughs> like, seriously, because I'm a pig. <laughs> nachos. Okay. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, Robin was an award-winning swimmer, and the authorities were not able to determine how she wound up in the water so far away from home. Oh, I can tell them that, man. With the LSD, she probably, the uh, dragons were eating off her face. So Yeah. <laughs> you start swimming the wrong way. You swim down instead of up. Up, yeah. There was also nothing to indicate where she was or what she was doing uh, in the 17 to 29 hours between the time she was last seen alive and her estimated time of death. That's a, that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. One of the reports I found stated that she most likely drowned sometime between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. on July 9th. Then I found another report that indicated she drowned at approximately 8 p.m. on July 9th. The authorities were not able to find anyone else that saw Robin alive after 3 p.m. on July 8th and prior to the time she died. It also didn't escape anyone's attention that the bodies of four teenage girls were discovered along the same 10-mile section of the canal in approximately three weeks' time. The chances that it was coincidental are highly improbable. On July 11th, the deputy chief medical examiner released a statement that Robin's death was due to suspicious circumstances. <laughs> However, Edward Stack, the Broward County Sheriff, stated that the girl's death might have been accidental. Then he was later quoted saying he was inclined to think it's murder. Well, which is it? Yeah, no shit, Dude, man. Just stop talking. If oh. you don't know, like... <laughs> You don't know. Just stop. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Well, that kind of goes back to what they said earlier, though. She was either walking home or she was walking towards <laughs> me. She could have been juggling or walking a dog or she could have been with friends. Maybe not. Yeah. We don't really know. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the same bullshit. Yes. Then when it came to Robin's parents, they had a different theory. They've always felt that a lot of young people knew the truth about what happened to their daughter. Those people just weren't willing to come forward to tell what they knew. During the early afternoon hours of July 22nd, 1975, 27-year-old Ronnie Sue Gorland stopped by the Asthmatic Children's Foundation in North Miami Beach to visit some of her former co-workers. And catch her breath before she started not out yeah. right away. She used to work with asthmatic children. <laughs> Those were her co-workers. <laughs> the respiratory therapist had moved to Pennsylvania the year before with her fiance. 
She was back in town for a couple of weeks to visit her parents and plan for her wedding, which was going to take place the following February. After going over some of the wedding details with her friends, she decided to say goodbye. She told them that she was stopping by the 163rd Street Shopping Center before she went to see her mom at 2 p.m. Her mom was at Parkway General Hospital being treated for a stomach issue, and Ronnie was going to visit her there, but she never made it to the 2 p.m. meeting. (coughs) That night, a security officer at the shopping center called the North Miami Beach Police to have Ronnie's rental car towed. Sorry, I need a drink. Um... He found it blocking the traffic going in and out of the parking lot on Burdine's, the parking lot of Burdine's department store. He indicated that it may have been abandoned there due to its flat tire. Well, they didn't have AAA back then? Do you, do you need some water? I have water. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just me. I just I just can't see past my vocal shield yeah. and monitors and space aliens Maybe and flying dildos. So I'm just kind of I'm just trapped. Um, this was the first report where a vehicle's deflated tire may have been the catalyst for their disappearance. The following morning, a survey crew was working around Graham Canal, located in northwest Miami-Dade County, when they discovered her naked body floating face down in the water. That's a bad party. They're always face down. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> they need floaties. <laughs> Some water wings. Yeah, a little bit of water wing going on. It'll be fine. Pull noodles. <clears throat> During the autopsy, Dr. Ronald Wright, the county's deputy chief medical examiner, was able to determine that Ronnie had been sexually assaulted before she was drowned. In the canal. See, now, but that one makes sense. That that makes perfect sense to me because, you know, you killed her, sexually assault her. Because that's common. I'm not saying it's, it's com- right. It is common. It's very but, common. Yeah, it's, it's way more common than all, you know, just fucking killing people and dumping them. <coughs> According, uh, he also discovered that her genitals had been mutilated after she was dead, fortunately. However, I wasn't able to find any reports that said what had been done to her. I don't know if I really want to know. Yeah, no shit, huh? <clears throat> During the evening hours of July 30th, 1975, 21-year-old Elise Rapp left her apartment to go shopping at the Hollywood Mall, a location that is no longer in business. She was originally from New York and had just moved to Miami in June of that year for work. A man was out grading a dirt road the next morning when he saw Elise's body floating face down in the Graham Canal. In fact, her body was discovered only blocks from the location where Ronnie was found just a week earlier. The only thing she was wearing when they pulled her body from the water was a gold necklace with the... uh, Hebrew symbol for life. Hmm. During Elise's autopsy, Dr. Wright discovered that she had been sexually assaulted and then hit over the head with a blunt object before she was thrown in the water to drown. He also indicated that her genitals had been mutilated in a similar fashion to the way Ronnie's were. 
However, he did not state uh, whether or not it was before or after she was dead. Uh, Again, I wasn't able to find any reports indicating uh, which mutilation occurred. That same night, Elise's car was discovered with a flat tire abandoned in the Sears parking lot at Hollywood Mall. Guess no Uh, craftsman tools for her, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Being that these two cases were so similar in their modus operandi, uh, a link could not be ignored. On August 1st, Dade County law enforcement officials confirmed that they were looking for a single perpetrator in the murders of Ronnie and Elise. They also stated at the time that they were looking at possible connections between their murders and Barbara Stevens' murder and the four teenage deaths in Broward County. That was the last time that all nine of these cases were linked together in the media by the authorities. Uh, I want to take a moment to talk about some other murders of teenage girls and women that I found among the various media reports that, that could have been victims of the canal killer. I understand that this is a list, this list is sort of a, a mixed bag. However, due to some of the similarities, I couldn't leave them out. I'll admit with some of the cases, there's a significant similarity, yet there are some that might have only been mentioned in the reports as linked cases because the victims were found in the vicinity of a canal in southern Florida. Although there were a couple of cases that were footnotes with a few of these cases, uh, I omitted them because I found credible sources that determined they were not related at all. And I need oh. So on September 20th, 1973, at approximately 6.30 p.m., 14-year-old Joanne Weiss left her house in Miami. She went to an ice cream shop on Biscayne Boulevard, where she visited with a friend of hers who was working there at the time. After a brief interaction with her friend, Joanne left and was seen walking back towards her home. When she failed to arrive back home at 9.30 p.m., her father contacted the authorities and reported her missing. On September 30th, the authorities received a call from someone who wished to remain anonymous. The caller stated they had seen a body floating in the canal located behind Miami International Airport. During her autopsy later, the medical examiner determined that Joanne was sexually assaulted and beaten severely before her killer tied a concrete block to her body and threw her in the water. However, they weren't able to determine her true cause of death due to the levels of decomposition that had already happened. But that's, that, that's different than the other ones that were found. The other ones, they just said were you know dead and mostly not sexually assaulted. But there was some sexual assault on top of that. But at no point has he been tying he or Concrete she. Concrete blocks? Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck, like, I, I carry a lot of shit with me, but I'm not carrying around like fucking concrete <laughs> blocks. That's, yeah. like, that's what I'm trying to say right yeah. there, you know? Jerry Strickland, a homicide detective, indicated that the area of Biscayne Boulevard where Joanne was last seen alive was a popular location for Johns to pick up prostitutes. He surmised that her killer more than likely pulled up to her and propositioned her. Perhaps when she turned him down, he became angry and uh, lashed out at her. Hey, baby, I got 25 bucks on a concrete block. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, how how could I turn that down? Hmm, You sound sexy. Hmm. (laughs) Let's just just drive away in your Oldsmobile. Yeah. That's hot. Yes. Uh, And her murder is still unsolved. 
and then there was an unidentified female skull. On August 28, 1974, the skull of a human was discovered among the coral rocks beside the Aerojet Canal. They were found approximately two miles north of the Dade Monroe County border. Upon examining the skull, Dr. Wright was able to determine that it belonged to a teenage girl between the ages of 14 and 18. He also surmised that her cause of death was the result of a single gunshot wound to the back of the head. In August 1975, Dr. Wright suggested that the murder of Joanne Weiss and this victim were possibly linked to the murder of Barbara Stevens, Barbara Schreiber, Belinda Zetterauer, Ronnie Gorlin, and Elise Rapp. I was not able to determine if this victim had ever been identified because I couldn't find any articles mentioning her beyond the August 1975 news reports. Uh, However, I also couldn't find her listed as unidentified remains in any of the public databases, such as NamUs or the Doe Network. I, I also think it's it's just a really popular place to dump bodies. It sounds like it, you know. It's the, once again, they went to the serial killers club. And they yeah, said, hey, yeah. Fred, where are you going to dump yours? And they can out me too. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, but I have a concrete block, lucky bastard. I, I drew, what did I draw? No concrete <laughs> block. That's what I drew. I can't, can't use a concrete block. Son I got a, a rock. <laughs> I got a rock and I've got rape. God damn it. Damn it. I just, I... These lotteries every year. I mean, I, I realize I'm not that high on the killer union scale, but fuck. Kind of man some break. I'm tired of the raping and just the rocking. Can I just get something different for once? That's right. How about a hammer and, I don't know, like a, a brick? Yeah. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> I really need a change. <laughs> uh, the following is information I found that was reported to the authorities by uh, Esmeralda... Chaviano Gordon's husband, Seth Gordon, she was 24 when he reported this, um, at approximately 11 a.m. on August 17, 1975, Seth and his 24-year-old wife, Esmeralda, left their house to go to a garage sale that was advertised in southwest Miami. <laughs> That's how they're going to start getting people. I love garage sales, but I'm not going to do God. <laughs> Damn thing like that in fucking Florida. No. They arrived back home within a couple of hours. Then at approximately 1 p.m., she decided she wanted to do some shopping at the 163rd Street Shopping Center. According to Seth, he didn't go with her because they had recently placed an ad in the paper to sell something and someone had to be there in case they received a call about it. By 3 p.m., Esmeralda's body was discovered lying next to a canal near 56th Street and 135th Avenue. She had a single bullet hole in her forehead, which was determined to be her cause of death. Well, that, you know, that, that, that tends to be uh, the case when you get shot in the fucking in the, head. Yeah. The fall- this is, hold on, this is different though than the other ones because uh, the, the MO of the other ones were either no rape and drowned or rape and drowning. Or rape, drowning, beat up in a fucking, like a cinder block. One of them was shot in the back of the head. Oh, that's right. Then yeah. we one shot in the back of the head. But it, it sounds like, seriously, it sounds like it's four or five different fucking killers All going in the on. same area, yeah. <laughs> they, they did. They unionized. That's yes. exactly what fucking happened there. They fucking unionized. 
So the following day, her vehicle was discovered abandoned in the shopping center parking lot, which was uh, like the Camaro of Barbara's that was found in the in the parking lot. Um, oh, they shared spots. That's what happened. Yeah. So I'll just park it right here. I, li- I like row A7. <laughs> that's, that's a good row with good view. Despite the fact that Ronnie's car was located abandoned. Oh, it was Ronnie's car. Sorry, not Barbara's. Uh, there, just the month before, the detectives quickly ruled out any possible links with their deaths for the following reasons. Esmeralda was fully clothed when her body was discovered. An autopsy determined that she was not sexually assaulted prior to death, nor had her genitals been mutilated. When her vehicle was processed, there was nothing to indicate it had been disabled in any way. Although Seth has always been a suspect in Esmeralda's murder, it remains unsolved. It's also not clear whether or not law enforcement officials have officially ruled out any possible connections with the other murders. So then we have Marianne Coppola, who was 15. On September 2nd, 1975, 15-year-old Marianne Coppola was dropped off at an appointment she had at the Genesis Outreach by her mother. That was a counseling center that focused on troubled youth. However, it remains unclear whether or not she actually met with her counselor that morning. Mary's remains... Okay, hold on. Now, that's stupid, too, and let me tell you why. You would think you can ask the counselor, like, hey, Bob. Did you meet with her? Did you meet with this chick? Uh, Yeah. And he will... He's only going to give you one or two answers. Yes, or no. No, she didn't show up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God! I could be I could be a detective in the Miami Dade County <laughs> yeah. area. Detective Scott's on it. Don't don't worry about uh, it, boys. Don't worry about yeah. it. Forget about CSI Miami. You got CSI <laughs> Scotty right here. I'm gonna solve these motherfuckers for you. <laughs> there's one. There's a show that's uh, it's like the women of Broward County. It's the female police officers and stuff on there, and that's it's a. Uh, it's entertaining in the same way that cops is entertaining. <laughs> gotcha, sweet. But it's all in Broward County. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I love Florida just for the simple fact of that. It's it's entertaining. Like, seriously, everything out of Florida is so fucking entertaining. It <laughs> certainly is. Um, Mary's remains weren't discovered until January 1st, 1976. They were found scattered approximately 20 feet from a canal in the area of Homestead in Miami-Dade County by a group of snake hunters. I can't think of a worse hobby. Due to the sneaky, <laughs> sneaky, 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 and then they just come right up. It's, it's snakey, Out in the snakey. Everglades. Yeah, you know, hey, you know, you're hunting for snakes and you get attacked by a fucking alligator. <laughs> <laughs> They, they've done two episodes of Naked and Afraid in the Everglades, and you'd think it was a completely different country. It's, it's scary. It's the Australia of the United States. It is, man. You should check out the swamps in fucking uh, in, in Louisiana. In Louisiana, yeah. yeah it's, you, you go from you know, Louisiana proper, where you know, cities like you know, Nolens and yeah. Baton Rouge and things like that, then you go down to the fucking... Um, into the uh, the the swamps and everything into the bayous. Um, 
we're just Rod Serling because this is like Twilight Zone yes. shit going on. Yes. You know, and then and, and even the way they speak him because we all speak English, you know, you get down there and you're like. They have their completely their own dialect. Oh, yeah. You'll scream like, oh, my God, there's a. Oh, yeah. That, that guy right there. That guy, he come over. He'll bite you real good. He bite yeah. you real good. You got to watch <laughs> out, man. That Floyd, that Floyd, that Floyd the alligator. Floyd the alligator. He take off Jethro's leg. He take off his leg right there. <laughs> and uh, he, he swam the show. But, yeah, you don't mess with Floyd the alligator. Yes. You're like, I well, don't um, understand what the fuck you just said like there. I could use some <laughs> subtitles while you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. That's why I got friends that live in Louisiana, man. They, Whenever I used to go down there and do any kind of fishing or, or even visiting, they interpret. You're like, what the fuck did he just, just say? say. Yeah. Like, oh, it's easy, man. He's Cajun. He said, don't fuck with Floyd the Alligator. Yeah. He took off this dude's leg. Yes. But he survived. But uh, Floyd the Alligator, he don't mess around. Like, oh, okay. That's good. That's right. That's why I say right now. That's why I say right now. <laughs> what the fuck did he say? He said that's exactly what he fucking said. That's what he. That's what he said. That's, that's what he said. That's what the man said. He's like, great. I want to go back to Nolans and just get drunk because fucking just being around these motherfuckers just traumatized me. It's very <laughs> stressful. Uh, so due to the level of decomposition in the remains, a cause of death was never determined. When the authorities spoke to her friends and counselors, they all described Mary as a sweet girl who was well liked by everyone. However, she was struggling with some personal issues and was having difficulty talking to others about those problems. <laughs> that I can relate to. Uh, yeah. I mean, seriously, because I, I go through a lot of mental issues and I yeah. just fucking, I, I'm your typical guy. I stuff shit down and I internalize stuff and then if I, I am a I'm breakdown. really, really adept at stuffing feelings down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something I'm unlearning now. <laughs> yeah. And actually, on a, on a psychology part of it, it's, it's something that is honestly really typical of men to do, but it's also a very hard habit to break once you do it, once you're acclimated to doing it. Yes. And so it's, it's kind of hard for me to come out with my feelings half the time and say, hey, look, this is, you know, I feel weak. I feel vulnerable. I feel, right. you know, I... This is how I'm feeling. You know, most of the time, everybody sees what y'all see, which is that you know, you're Scotty going, okay, let's go take over the fucking world, kick ass, and take names later. Yeah. But a lot of times, I'm sitting there, fucking in my room, just fucking sobbing and feeling like shit. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, it's one of those wonderful things. Yeah. And that's us with medication. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah. If I don't take my meds, and seriously, my life is a total fucking shit show. Yeah. Just it, it, it is something akin to being on a. A, a one-person soap opera. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yes. And everybody else is my victim mm-hmm. because I will just fucking go around and just be a dick. For and it, it's really weird because when I go through those things and I'm being just a fucking asshole, you know, in my head I'm like, dude, you are such an asshole. Don't do that. That's that. That's not right. That's not right, buddy. And that's what I've said. I'm like, I hear. I can hear myself, and it's I'm pissing my own self off. Oh yeah. With what I'm saying right now, yeah. Uh, so, according to Mary's counselor at Genesis Outreach, Mary was troubled over all of the usual things a teenager is bothered by. Peer pressure, parents, friends, drugs. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And roll yeah. <laughs> that, now, that's the story of my life. Right <laughs> Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. One of Mary's friends told a reporter for the Miami Herald that Mary was a real straight girl until she developed a relationship with twenty with a twenty seven year old man who had remained unnamed in the media. It was me. <laughs> I'll admit it. I was I was uh maybe maybe I was stalking around going, Hey little girl, why don't you get in my van? Why don't you get in my bitch and Camaro? Yes. <laughs> you were only like three at the time, so Hey man, what can I say? 
Well, you had game early on. That's right, man. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just north in Georgia. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there going, "Hey, I'll tell you what. Why don't you put your hand in my diaper and see yeah. what you find there?" Can it you, looks can you like tell the me that? baby from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, that is totally <laughs> me right there. And she's like, um, "I'm going to have to pass on that because I'm not a parent, and uh, you're a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm only a baby. What you see, but what you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you uh, take off this diaper?" by my southern pride. Show you what I really got going on. <laughs> they say the south will rise again, but it never stopped and rising. again and again and again. <laughs> Trust me, you'll come back for more, baby. Woo! <laughs> then I yelled NASCAR. I don't yes, yeah. That was like the first words out of my mouth because, you know, being from the south, well, you know, the first thing you yell out is NASCAR! Woo! Yes, <laughs> yes. Give me a PBR! <laughs> So apparently this guy was known for selling drugs at Mary's school, and he was pressuring her into doing the drugs as well. Uh, I was not able to find any reports that named a suspect in her murder, and it has remained unsolved. So she's like an after-school special, you know? Mary yes. went to school every day and was a good girl. Until. And until. Hey, baby, you want some drugs? I yes, got everything you yes, need. Yes, that's exactly daddy, right. Exactly, no, I don't take any drugs. Until she fell for the drug dealer <laughs> and started smoking the marijuanas. <laughs> no, not the reefer. Yes, she went down reefer oh, road. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, that's the first time I've heard that shit, too. That just came to my fucking head. <laughs> Oh my god! I, maybe oh. I need I need different medications. What I mean, it's way way fucking different medications. It is just that kind of day. It really is. It's it's one of those days where my brain is going a thousand different directions. Right. So I'm just kind of sitting back, listening what's coming out of my <laughs> mouth, not knowing and just hoping that it's nothing. That's just cross your fingers. Top. I'm sitting there hoping like the Nazi in my head doesn't come out and start making you know horrible Jew jokes. <laughs> And talking about anybody who's black or anything like that. I just, well, I just yeah. hope for the best right now. That's yes. all I'm doing is hoping for the best. Keep your personalities in check. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying. It's, it's a rough day for old Scotty right now. Uh, <laughs> then I thought John was watching fucking gay men porn. And <laughs> but well, it might offend. The first thing I came into when I when I walked back into the room was a, so I'm watching two guys. I'm all, this is going to go down a really doing. What I'm like, exactly? It's going down a really awkward road. That's what the fuck this one is. <laughs> Playing video games. Oh, that's not. Oh, okay. That's, I didn't even that's see better. it. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't even think for a second that's where you're gonna go with it. I just <laughs> don't know why, but thought you were watching two guys doing something that was um, playing a different kind of game, like you know, hide the slobby. Yes. <laughs> not in his butt. Oh yeah, <laughs> in his butt. <laughs> He's scaring me. <laughs> the scariest thing I ever saw was flipping through porn. And I came across this porn where this dude, he was hung like a fucking horse. And he's going towards this dude who had to be like, I don't know, 100 pounds wet holding, you know, soaking wet oh, holding. Yeah. And I'm yelling. At this point, because I was, dude, I'm yelling at the thing. Like, you know, gay porn isn't necessarily my thing, but I'm watching this go down like a fucking horror movie. Run, run, little man, run. run you're, yeah. you're not going to, like, you're doing this, dude, you're not going to walk right again, ever. Maybe ever, yeah. Yeah, the, you're going to be paralyzed. This dude's pecker is bigger than your fucking arm. What the yeah. fuck? Like a trooper. I'm sitting there going, that ain't right. That is not fucking right. What the Training. hell is wrong with That one word. Training. Like, that's more. Yeah, that's he's like, well, walking <laughs> like crab, Zoidberg. 
Yeah, <laughs> man. It's just it, to this day, I have like, nightmares. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> I was looking at that, just shaking my head, going, "I'm like, I freak out when I have to go to the doctor and get the poke poke in the butt with my finger." Yeah, much less having to do with the baseball bat sitting there going, "Guess what? Let's play ball." And I'm like, mm, <laughs> "Well, have, have you had a colonoscopy yet?" No, that's when you hit fifty. Which oh, that's no, my I fear. had my first colonoscopy at thirty-two. So. Ooh. And yet you don't do anal. That's I had upper and lower. Yes, just one more reason not to Oof. because that is a it's a it's a war zone. Yeah, there. I am it's not a fun place <laughs> for me. It's just not fun. I am dreading the colonoscopy because this year you here know, I turned forty nine this year. And yeah. I, something about them putting the Hubble telescope up my pooper and looking for things. I don't know what scares me more. Them coming back with something like, Hey, this is what's going on back there and we have to do surgery or them not finding anything and then going, huh, that's weird. I don't feel anything wrong back there. Like, it doesn't, it's, I don't know what's, like, both, both of them kind of scare me. I had upper and lower endoscopy at the same time. So I had my colonoscopy, but then I also had the tube that, like, went down my throat to look that way. Like, they were just going to meet in the middle. Yeah, a a weird thing. Like, believe it or not, when when I was growing up, I actually wanted to be a doctor and be a surgeon. And my mom had to have that done with the tube down her throat. Yeah. And her surgeon actually let me go in and watch And watch, Yeah. And he goes, no, okay, Scotty, if you feel sick, remember, you can always sit down. Oh, there's way more horrible things oh, to Dude, it was fucking fascinating. It is fascinating. I can watch the, the vocal cords, um, you know, like move. Kind yeah. Because it sits like this. Nobody, right. our listeners can't see my fingers, but I'm holding it like in threes. And then, like, she would burp a lot, so it would go burp. Yep. Yeah. And uh, if she anything she did, they would vibrate. Saw every. It was fucking amazing. It is amazing. Who knew that I would go from wanting to be a surgeon to be a fucking musician? That's just. <laughs> that's a. Uh, those are way different. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you're you're totally out when that happens. So colonoscopies are not. They're not scary. The worst oh. part is the prep. But when I was having, the upper one at the same time. I woke up and I I think it was because I was like gagging, like I was trying to fight the them putting a tube down my throat, and the nurse was like, "Oh, that's not good." And then I was out again. Like that's all I heard. <laughs> that's not good. Well, I had a former drummer, and his name was Tom, and he had to have his first colonoscopy done at the VA. So I took the day off because he said, "Hey, man, can you run me?" Yeah, because you gotta have somebody drive you home, right? Which and then that was cool. But yeah, he had to like you can't eat nothing the first or anything but like water or something like that. It's all, yeah, all for, liquid, nothing. For 24 hours. Yeah. And then he had to drink this cleansing. You drink a big old thing of magnesium citrate. Is that what that is? Which is a laxative. And then there's um, like laxative pills that you take. And my most favorite was at the very end was the um, laxative suppository. I'm like, how am I supposed to hold that in there? Like I have been shitting <laughs> for hours. I've been up all night doing this. That was Tom, man. Like, after he took yeah. that, like, I thought it would hit him pretty quick, like, within an hour or two, but, and he's in his room, and, uh, you know, and I go check on him, and I, dude, you okay? He's like, yeah, it's weird. Nothing, nothing's going on. But within about an hour and a half, yep. Tom was always quiet in the bathroom. I'm <laughs> I'm sitting out in the living room, and, you know, and working on a music project, and all of a sudden I hear, Jesus, motherfucking God, oh, my God. And I could hear him. He was loud and proud. It was like the a cramping is fog bank and a fucking yeah. lighthouse going burr. intense. Yeah, I mean to the point to where I wanted to applaud. I was like, "Yeah, dude, 
No, that's fucking. <laughs> that is. A, sing it proud, man. That's a, that. That right there. That's that's a tuba uh, coming at you. But yeah, I was impressed. Okay, so we have about five more minutes before we got to <laughs> okay. take this into a part two. So I'll do this last one here, which was. Uh, it's not the last one, but the last one on this for today was. Uh, Marlene Joy Annabelli was a 27-year-old tourist from Pennsylvania. She arrived in Florida on October 15th. When she got into town, she met up with some of her friends in Sunrise, and they helped her check into a hotel in Fort Lauderdale. On the morning of October 22nd, the maid at the hotel witnessed Marlene leaving her room and immediately went inside to clean it. The same maid returned to the room for the next three days and cleaned it, despite the fact that it appeared as if no one was staying in it any longer. Hmm. On October 25th, Marlene's friends called the front desk at the hotel and asked them to check the room because they had not heard from her for three days. The hotel staff immediately called the authorities and reported her missing after they received the call. Marlene's body was discovered on October 26th, lying in some bushes in a remote uh, part a remote area just west of Cooper City. It was partially hidden under some sheets of old plywood. Her autopsy later revealed that she had been strangled to death, most likely on the day she was last seen at the hotel. The authorities quickly eliminated Marlene's estranged husband as a suspect since they determined that he was still in Pennsylvania at the time of her death. Uh, Detectives investigating her death indicated that since she had arrived in town, she was... Actively seeking male companionship. <laughs> I know that feeling. Oh, I mean, seeking female <laughs> companionship. I, I like don't go out of town and go, hey, Mr. Yeah. Scorpio. Well, sting me. <laughs> they found out that she had been attempting to get in touch with a male friend who was married and lived in the area. Maybe and it was he, his wife. <laughs> and, he can get, and he can get in touch with uh, you know her feminine side. When they interviewed the man in question, he claimed that he had been avoiding her attempts to contact, uh, to connect with him in the days prior to her death. He agreed to take a polygraph test when they asked him to, and his response uh, responses were determined to be truthful, so he was also eliminated as a suspect in her death. On October 30th of 1975, the authorities released a statement claiming they did not believe Marlene's murder was connected to the other canal murders. However, an article that was printed later indicated the similarities between her case and the case of Michelle Winters in January of 1976, which I will talk about later. But Well, yeah, because so far it doesn't match up to anything that you've said. I mean, she was partially concealed. She was strangled. She's not in a canal. There's, there's just a bunch of shit. So, it yeah. Is, yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you ready to wrap this one up? Yeah. All right, this is part one of a part two of the Flat Tire Murders. Remember, you can send us an email at W... Let's try that shit again. Jesus (laughs) Christ, I'm retarded. You can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the webpage at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium and CrimeBeat on Medium or wherever you get your blogs. Just type in at BrutalNation. We'll pop right up for you. You get all the story without half of my bullshit. All right, this show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you, at least on this one here, for next week. But... Another episode's coming to you for tomorrow. It's actually the part two of what we did last week. So we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.